The reading for today is Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 13. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceived that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. Thank you for downloading our podcast. Make sure to subscribe to get new ones every week. And don't forget to check out First Methodist Sweetwater's website and social media. Now, here is Pastor Ryan Strebeck. Coming through the Christmas season, uh, I'm always uh, you know, trying to think about, I know for many of us, it, we will look back and say, gosh, that was a December to remember, or it was our first Christmas that we had such and such, or there's a new baby in the family or something, and just always remember that Christmas. For others of us, we'll come through the holidays and we'll be singing with Merle Haggard. If we just make it through December, then, then we'll be fine, right? If we can just get through December, it'll be all right, I know. Uh, either, either way, uh, the new year tends to bring excitement. It tends to bring our awareness of possibility and opportunity. And so we're, it's, we're wired this way. You know, we're wired to appreciate and look for and to need new starts. Uh, the gift of the seasons themselves uh, is such a great gift uh, in all cultures and all times and places have kind of created uh, traditions around seasons because they're so meaningful to us. And it helps us to keep time helps us to navigate life uh, regardless of where we've come from. And I think one key to a Christian outlook, anytime you're, you're looking ahead and you want to kind of look through a Christian lens, 
uh, is understanding our appropriate relationship to time. This text in Ecclesiastes, and really the whole book of Ecclesiastes, the message of the book is learning humility, is recognizing that everything that we see and everything that we have is a gift from God, is a gift to be received. Uh, it's something, uh, the word gift in the book of Ecclesiastes occurs 28 times in 12 chapters. And more often than not, it's God is the giver, and we're learning to be in a position of receiving. We're practicing and learning and growing in humility to recognize God as the giver of all good gifts. This text, uh, even if you've never heard it read from a Bible, uh, you may have heard the bird song or Pete Seeger before that. Uh, you know, to everything, turn, turn, turn. There is a season, turn, 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 turn. It's a great song. It's like, why didn't I think of that? Just put Ecclesiastes to music and millions of dollars later, here we would be. But um, it's, you know, a great song because it's based on a great message in Ecclesiastes. And so I think what tends to happen is that time tends to become, for all of us, start feeling like a scarce commodity, something that must be managed, or sometimes we'll even say, well, I'm going to steal some time to do this. It must be managed, stolen, or we'll say pretty often, oh, I just need to buy some time. I need to carve out some time, right? We, we treat time as something that's scarce. And so when we talk like this way and begin to imagine time this way, more than likely, we could use a good dose of healing and according to our relationship to time. So what is time? Uh, from a Christian point of view, what are we talking about? When we talk about time and navigating time, how should we see and experience and talk about, understand, and move through time? First of all, time is a gift. You know, going back to creation, the creation of the world, the creation of the heavens and the earth, and time is ordered perfectly and the world that we live in, the way the sun and the moon and all the, the cosmic things that happen in order for us to experience time that we can keep on our watches is a miraculous thing that was given by God. It was set in order. It was set in place. And of course, Genesis, the early chapters, lays that out in the poetic beauty of creation itself. So we would say that the creation, God's creating the heavens and the earth, and the world and everything in it, is the beginning of time. That's one of the beautiful gifts that God gave us. And uh, we celebrate, if we fast forward to the end of our scriptures, the end of our story, which is another beginning of sorts, uh, it, God will recreate, there will be a new creation, right? There will, things, all things will be made new. And so that will be the end of time as we know it, but it will be the beginning of an eternal time that is kept in a way that we couldn't possibly understand now if we were to try to make sense of it. So time in itself is a gift. It's a good gift. However, all of us live in the fallen world. Uh, we all live in the world where uh, Abel, starting with Abel, where people die, where things shouldn't, you know, things happen that shouldn't happen, and so it it wears on us, it grates on us. We experience evil, we experience pain, and every time we experience evil and pain, I think time begins to feel a little bit like a burden, because uh, time brings us loss. Time. Uh, ultimately is taken away from us in death as well. And um, so we, we, anytime we experience pain and loss, uh, grief, we, we realize that time feels like a burden. We just feel like it's something that we just have to hold on to and kind of survive and endure. 
Other times, time feels like a burden because we are just in the middle of what we feel like is a rat race. How many times do we say that? You know, what are, what are, you, what are you doing today? How's your Monday going? Oh, just a little rat killing, just a little of this, a little of that. Moving through the list, right? I'm just, I'm a cog in the machine. I got to get my, got to get my stuff done. I got to get started with the grind. I started late this week or whatever, and now I'm behind the eight ball. We make all these comments about how we're, you know, we start out behind. Uh, so we feel this burden of time being in the rat race, which, which, you know, if you go back to the worst experience of that, it's, it's like our ancestors in Egypt. When you're slaves in Egypt, our people, I mean, it, every day was all day work, no rest, no uh, sense of anything being different in the future. So the relationship to time is just simply negative. It's just the passing of time. It's just the rising of the sun, the setting of the sun brings the same thing every day. And it's generally not good. We're just slaves. We have to do, we're bound to time. We have to do stuff every day. And it's just simply a grind. We are machines. And in, when we feel this way, we would never say, uh, like the Rolling Stones said, time is on my side. We would never say that. We would say, time is against me. Time is my enemy. I am, you know, time is definitely not on my side. Um, another time, another way that we feel time is a burden, I think, is when we just, you know, we just feel like we're never going to get ahead. We feel we start, we feel like we're starting out behind. Uh, I don't know if there's so many songs about time, but it just seems like there's a million of them, probably because people are trying to wrestle through what feels like a burden. But what about Tennessee Ernie Ford? You load 16 tons and what do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt, right? St. Peter don't even bother to call me because I'm trapped. I can't even leave. Like I owe my soul itself to the company store. I'm, I am bound in time. I'm never going to get out. I'm never going to work enough to pay all my debts off. And so time is truly just a burden. It's something where we are trapped. We even experience this in church sometimes. And pastors can be the worst about talking about, you know, how busy we are and how much we have to do and how there's just not enough resources. There's not enough time. There's not enough this. There's not enough people. There's not enough that. And it's like that is not a faithful Christian outlook on time. Time is a gift. God has given us the time that we need to accomplish what he's calling us to do, that we have to learn to believe that. But it's a discipline and it's faith. It's growing in our faith to understand that and appreciate that. So the, that's the bad news uh, is what we tend to slip into. The good news is when Jesus came and we just celebrated his arrival at Christmas and he grew up in feeling all the constraints of time that we feel. And then Jesus, when he began his ministry, he began to talk about time a little differently. And so you may have heard someone make reference to the word kairos. There's a great prison ministry uh, called kairos. And kairos is simply a Greek word for time. But it's not chronos, where we get the word chronology, but it's a little bit different word. Instead of just the passage of time, kairos points to these times that are these divine moments. It's more like an opportunity. So when Jesus said, he came into Galilee, he began to proclaim the gospel, and he said, the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. So repent and believe the gospel. The time is fulfilled, right? The time has come. It didn't mean that the end of all chronological time had come. It just meant that this divine moment, that all creation has been anticipating the arrival of the Son of God always, and now Jesus has arrived. The time has come. Uh, the time is here. Uh, Paul talked about this, the other New Testament writers, Romans 13. Besides this, you know the time. In other words, you know what time it is. It's a divine moment. It's a holy opportunity. The hour has come for you to wake up from sleep. 
talking about kind of this liturgical time, waking up from our slumber, being oriented differently to God and those around us. And Paul goes on to say, for salvation is nearer to you now than when we first believed. Salvation is closer, not, not because, uh, you know, we live in just a better time or whatever, but, but Christ has come. Christ has arrived, and the arrival of Christ has changed everything. So kairos, the beginning of time. So Jesus moves into time, and he begins to redeem time. He begins to bring us salvation in time that will carry on throughout all time and space. So it begins now in this life. But the salvation that Jesus brings, the great news about it, is it carries on into eternal life, a life that will go on from age to age to age, whatever that age may be. So Jesus begins to redeem time for us and help us and allow us to talk about time, to think about time, experience time differently. Uh, Jesus is very passionate about talking about our understanding of the Sabbath. Uh, and how it's not just about keeping rules and regulations, but the Sabbath was a gift, right? When we were slaves in Egypt, we didn't know how to relate to time. So one of the greatest gifts that God gave to us as a people, when he's bringing us out of slavery in Egypt, is teaching us to live differently, and he sets us apart a 24-hour period where we don't have to work. So all of our work can be directed towards you know, the end of all things, and our work can be directed to this holy rest and where do we learn that from? Because God created the heavens and the earth in six days, and on the seventh day, he rested, right? As a sign that things were complete, that things were beautiful, that time was a gift. And so we as human beings take on that uh, joy. We take on that gift. We receive time in our week, each week, where we, can, where we don't have to be simply thought of. We don't have to manage ourselves. We don't have to evaluate ourselves based on what we produce but rather that we are simply children of God. We are sons and daughters of God, and we get this gift. We get this gift of this day to rest and to realize that by uh, working, we can't make time move along faster or slower. We can't speed it up. We can't slow it down. We can't make the sun come up any faster. We can't make the full moon stick around any longer. We can't do the things that we would like to do at times, um, but that we simply are living in time, and time is a gift. And so Sabbath trains us uh, that we can rest and that everything that's going on in the world is not up to us. And so we can simply receive the gift that God gives us. And Sabbath, every single Sabbath, we worship together, we eat meals together, we share in our friendships together. And every time we do that, we are tasting just a little bit of heaven. This is what heaven is like. Heaven is the enjoyment of one another. It's the enjoyment of God. It's the enjoyment of the practice of worship. And that's what heaven's going to be like. That's what eternity's going to be like. And so we get a foretaste of that every single week. We have that opportunity. And so this is why the practice of Sabbath is so important. Uh, Sabbath, as a, uh, a foretaste of the things to come of eternity, eternal life, uh, every Sabbath is a reminder of the resurrection, that death is no longer the final word, but that there has been a greater word spoken, that the resurrection of the Son of God is God's final word to all human suffering, to all of our pain, and to finally death itself. So the light shines in the darkness, as John said, and the darkness has not overcome it. That's the great word on Sabbath. 
Uh, finally, as we recover our relationship to time, we kind of wait for the healing of our relationship to time. Worship is a very important part of this. Um, and all kinds of worship, any form of worship. Uh, I love the way that Marva Dawn is a theologian, uh, talks about this, but she, she wrote a book called uh, about worship, and it was called A Royal Waste of Time. A Royal Waste of Time. And I love that because we, we talk about, like, there's no greater sin in the Strebeck, you know, family dictionary than wasting time. Uh, it's just like, you never should be wasting time. You better not be sitting around wasting time. You know, we grew up like, you're always looking over your shoulder. Like, if I'm, I'm not being productive here, I'm not doing something. And uh, the, the beautiful thing about worship is it is a complete waste of time. It is a royal waste of time. Uh, but that's a wonderful thing, you know. Uh, there, there's a great love song out there. I don't even remember where I heard it, but about, you know, somebody singing to their beloved and says, you know, wasting time is, wasted time is never wasting time with you. You know, that's, that's how it ought to be. That's how it is when you're alone. You know, I, I waste all the time in the world and it would never be wasted with you. That's what worship is like. We offer ourselves as living sacrifices, whether it be in a gathering like this or we're praying in the morning or we're serving our neighbor. Uh, we are royally wasting time in the best way. Uh, it's a joyous thing. It's a glorious thing. And really, it's not that crazy if you think about it, or at least it's not any more crazy uh, because we would say that the fulfillment of the hope is greater, but all of us watch our share of sporting events, or if you don't, you're probably holier than me, and God bless you, you're going to have a better start to your new year, um, but you know, uh, I don't want to see, now I start thinking about Tech's free throw percentage yesterday, I just can't even handle it, but um, anyways, you know, you look at the rabid fans at a New Year's Eve bowl game, I mean, they're painted up, they're wearing stuff they would never be caught dead in public with otherwise, it's all crazy looking, and they're just totally offering their bodies and their lives as a living sacrifice to their team and to the whole enterprise of whatever football or basketball is. And it's like, you know, but they would look, you would look back on that and be like, you are totally nuts. And the only place it makes sense is in that community of people. And it doesn't matter which team or community it is, but you have to be in that group to really understand it. And worship is that way. You know, people look at Christians and they say, why would you waste your time? on that. He said, well, it's not wasted time when it's devotion, because not only does it transform my life, uh, but it brings glory to God, and God is worth uh, glory because of what he has brought into uh, the world and the gift that he has given us of this life. So in closing, I wonder what it would be like for us if we started this year. What if, what if as the year was rolling on, what would it be like for us to feel that there was just the right amount of time? What if we talked in March and we said, you know, today is a great day. There's just the right amount of time today. What if you came into my office and I said, you know, this is just a great, this is the perfect time for you to be here. There's just the right amount of time today. Instead of just being busy and frantic and saying, oh gosh, I know we're all busy and sorry to bother you and whatever else. That would take great faith. It would take great faith to experience time in that way. So to that end, what, what if sometime this week, as we all start our years in our own different ways, here at the beginning of 2023, what if we took, I don't know, it could be different for any of us. It might be half an hour. It might be five minutes. It might be half a day. It might be a drive to wherever you have to drive this week to pause and just simply thank God for the time that is today and the time that will be whatever we have of 2023. 
Thank God for the gift of that time. And to listen, to pay attention to when we think about that time that we have, what is it that we desire? What is it that we hope for? What are the opportunities that might be there? What are the friendships that might be worth cultivating? The relationships that need attention. What would it look like to surrender our lives and say, Lord, I trust you as the Lord of time this year, the Lord of 2023, the Lord of my life. My wife, Amberly sent me a text this morning uh, just saying, Happy New Year, and, you know, this is going to be a great year. And I'm kind of like, why are you so optimistic today? Uh, but she said, uh, she said, well, just think of all the things that we get to do this year. And I thought, you know, that is a great perspective on time. We, what we get to do today, tomorrow, 2023. So the final question that I'm going to ask this week and invite you to ask with me is, uh, Cindy alluded to it in her prayer earlier, but God, what are you calling me to do? What are you calling us as a congregation to do with the gift of the time that you give us in 2023? What are you calling us to do with our gift of time in 2023? Let the pressure off, listen, pay attention to what the desires that God has placed in us and let us live 2023 uh, with a holy appreciation for the time that we have and the holy moment because Christ is among us that we have before us. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.